I'm, I'm aware that there are some of you, uh, it seems every Sunday I meet somebody that's just in town for the weekend and you're at church um, and after church or sometime this week, you're going to go on home. And so this is going to be the last time that I preach to you, most likely. Uh, others of you, um, I may be the last time, this may be the last time I preach to you because uh, at the end, you're going to realize that you don't like me. <laughs> and that's going to hurt my feelings just to be transparent with you. But uh uh, if this is the last message that I'm ever going to preach to you, or if this is at some point this week, my heart is going to stop beating and I'm going to go be with Jesus. And this is my last sermon to preach. I'm going to be okay with that. Uh, and so I, I really hope that you listen carefully. Um, I'm going to be talking about our zeal for God our zeal. And I looked up the word zeal, um, and zeal means to be in hot pursuit, according to uh, Webster's Merriam Dictionary, to be in hot pursuit. I'm going to talk about the importance of being in hot pursuit it's very difficult to be in hot pursuit towards the Lord. It's very difficult to be zealous for God. It's, it's very difficult because in Mark chapter 4 it says that, that the enemy floods us with the cares of this world. And with all these cares, things that we care about, and a lot of them are, you got to hear me say this, very legitimate just so you know, don't let the suit fool you. I've got major cares and stresses and things in my life as well. Um, but the enemy just wants to flood us with that to decrease the level of zeal that we have for God. Um, one of the cares I, I saw, um, I, I get these articles sent to my inbox um, and one of the articles that uh, uh, I was reading is uh, that, that most people have a side of their face that they favor more than the other side. In other words, if I'm taking a picture of this person, Sammy, uh, they would prefer to look at the camera this way. Instead of this way. Because that's their better side. Now, according to the article, it's like 80% have a preferred side. of Versus. Now, my wife has a preferred side. You'll notice in any picture you see us in, she's always on my right. She prefers this side. How many of you have a preferred side? Go ahead, raise your hand real high. Come on, don't be shy. There you go. You have a preferred side. When I used to have hair, I had a preferred side. I used to have curly, 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 curly hair. Uh, but I sleep on my right. Any side right sleepers? I sleep on my right. And so these curls didn't really curl. They just kind of frizzed. 
It's just always flat. But these curls were like ringlets. And my daughter, who's nine years old, if any of you ever seen her, she's got ringlets like crazy. In fact, I had hair just like you. Just like, why don't you stand up and just wave at everybody? Yes, that was my hair. And it was long and cool. And then I wasn't cool anymore. It just all went away. But I remember that. These are the cares, just thousands of cares, little tiny cares of, can I stand on this side? And I kind of smile like this. Two very serious cares. See, now some of you are like, you know, I'm going to go home to the mirror and find out if I should have a preferred side. Practice your smiling. My son was, this is a total digression. My son was in a school play. um, And so he's standing in front of all the parents of all the kids. And he walks down there and he looks at the crowd who's sitting in the auditorium uh, at the school. And he starts going. (laughs) And I'm going. Allie, he gets that from you, you know. I mean, he's Anyway, that was sad, nothing to do. But there's these concerns, there's these cares. And, and, and what I want to say to you is that uh, it, there is an alarm that gets sounded. When the cares and the concerns of life are beginning to trump your zeal for God, there is an alarm. That sounds, and that's what I want to talk with you about today. In Luke chapter 22, let's start reading. This is when Jesus uh, was getting arrested in order to be crucified just 24 hours later. Luke chapter 22, verse 54. Having arrested him, they laid him, they led him and brought him to the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. So they take Jesus. He was, Jesus was with his disciples at the time. They take him, they arrest him, and Jesus, uh, Peter starts following them. Now, when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. So Peter didn't want to be too close to the soldiers, lest he get arrested as well. But he had so much zeal for the Lord that he didn't want to leave the Lord. So he followed closely behind. And at one point they stopped and Peter saw a group of people in the middle of the courtyard sitting around a fire warming their hands. And so he went and warmed his hands with them. So while he's sitting there in the courtyard, something very interesting happened. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as they sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with him, as she pointed at Jesus. But he denied him, Peter denied Jesus, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, You... Also are of them. So a second person recognizes Peter. But Peter said, man, I am not. Then after about an hour had passed, another 
confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. I'm reading um, verse 60 now. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately, watch this, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, verse 61, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord and how he said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. Can you see this picture in your mind? Jesus turns and looks at Peter on the third denial. He turns and looks at him and all of a sudden an alarm went off. It it didn't sound like this. It was a rooster crowing. It it was, hey, you've done this once. And now you've done it twice. And now now you're doing it a third time. All within the same evening. And the alarm sounds. And then it wakes Peter up. It reminds him. It wakes him up. And his mind begins to remember. Jesus said. That I needed to pray lest I be tempted. And it wakes him up. The alarm. the, the, The rooster just wakes him, there's still alarms that take place. Aimed on saying, hey, hey, enough, hey, hey, get refocused. I want to just share the background of that scripture real quick. And that we started reading in verse 54, but if you go back 16 verses, don't go back right now, but if you go back 16 verses, you'll see what was happening. Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane and, uh, uh, I've, I've been to the garden of Gethsemane. It's, it's full of these olive trees. It's, it's phenomenal. In fact, um, uh, years ago, people used to go to the garden and, and break off a branch of one of the olive trees and, and then go home. Uh, people that knew which part of the branch to break off, they'd go home, take the branch, stick it inside of the ground and grow an olive tree in their backyard. Uh, But uh, since then, they put a a wrought iron fence around it and they've got guys with guns, so no more branches are being broke off. Uh, But I was there and these, these olive trees, they're beautiful. They're so old. They've got these really rugged trunks. Uh, but that's where Jesus was, and that's where uh, Peter was, and, and the uh, 11 disciples, uh, Judas was busy, uh, but uh, they, they were there praying. So just before uh, Peter denies Jesus, just a few hours earlier, he's praying with Jesus in the garden. And then if you don't go back 15 verses, you only go back six verses. While they're in the garden, the soldiers come in to arrest Jesus. And Peter steps up. And if you're taking notes, write this down. That point number one, there's a collaborative zeal. There's a collaborative zeal that exists. I'm going to talk about four different types of zeal. There's a collaborative zeal. 
And, and this is what Peter had. He, he steps forward. He gets in front of Jesus. And, and he's got his, his boys with him. And he looks at the soldiers. He says, you're here to take Jesus? Come on. Let's do it. What, what are you looking at? Huh? Where, where, and he's picking a fight. Huh? Well, well he's doing Muhammad Ali. Huh? 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 He pulls out a knife. And jumps and, and chops the guy's ear off. Now, hold on. He, I just want, this isn't in the Bible, but just trust me. Okay. Doesn't this look like a face you can trust? So he jumps and he, he grabs and he chops the guy's ear off. This is, when we get to heaven, we'll find out if this is true. He was not aiming at the guy's ear. Nobody stands there like, I'm going to chop that guy's ear off. No, he was aiming for the middle of his head and missed. And then clipped his ear. Jesus is looking, the, 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 the king of peace is looking at, what, what are you doing, man? Oh yeah, oh yeah, there's more where that came from. Come on, come on. You want to hey, You want some too? Jesus, hey, can't, what? Can't, what? Do you, where'd you get the knife? What's he doing walking around with a knife for? You know, it's it's like, you know. Never mind. I'm not gonna chase that rabbit. But what, what are you doing with the knife? So here's his. Jesus backs up and just says, Peter. And he picks up the guy's ear and he puts it back and he allows himself to be arrested. But look how high Peter's zeal is. It's, it's so high. He's, in, he's, he's hot. He's on fire. His love is... When you're around 10 other guys... I don't know if any of you have ever played sports before, but... You know, on a basketball court or on a football field or you, you have a team thing going on and there's an altercation. You feel like Hulk Hogan when you got your whole team with you. You know, it's like, oh, you want a piece of this? Are you guys with me? Yeah, you guys, okay. You want a piece of this? You know, that, that's that collaborative zeal. It's, when you're here in the house of God, it's so important. Can I just say this? It's so important. I know you work hard during the week. I know you work hard. And I know that if you come to church on Sunday morning, that means you only get one day to sleep in. I know, I know, I know, I know. But when you are around us, you can come walking through the back door and feeling down and depleted and get around us in this collaborative zeal. All of a sudden, you feel like you feel right now. There's something about being in the presence of God. You feel a little bit taller. You, there's just, you can just sense it. There's this collaborative zeal. But then something interesting happens. Peter leaves the other 11, just like we will leave today. And you will go home. And you will wake up tomorrow morning. And now there's a whole different zeal. There is no collaborative zeal. We're not here. See, as a pastor, I'm encouraging you. Come on, stay in the ring. Keep on fighting. Come on, poke the devil. Fight Don't quit. That's, but I'm not with you. Now there's another zeal that kicks in. The same zeal that was on the line for Peter. 
Number two is that there is an undivided seal that is now in question. An undivided zeal. There's two sections under this point, number two. There's God's zeal for you. Then we're going to talk about your zeal for God. God is zealous for you. He's zealous for you. In Isaiah chapter 26, verse 11, it says this, Lord, your hand is lifted high, but they do not see it. Let them see your zeal for your people. Let them see how passionate God is. It's almost like me saying, God, we've got a beautiful church here, but let them see it. They, they can't see it with their eyes of faith because their faith is, is only so thick. But help them see it. And Lord, I just ask you to anoint me right now to be able to express this. God is so on fire for you. He's so on fire for you. I know you and I, we're human. Sometimes we're on fire for God and sometimes we're kicking ourselves in the rear to get on fire. And God does not have that problem. He watches you. He's staring at you. He's consumed with you every second of every day. Charles, why don't you come on up here real quick. Let me illustrate this. When you wake up tomorrow morning, you are going to go to work and you're going to be doing a lot of things. You're going to be walking to this uh, restroom. You're going to be going to this meeting. You're going to be doing these things. You're going to be busy. You're going to be doing a lot of things, but it doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing. God is consumed with you. He's, he's staring at you. He's watching you. He goes, well, this is, I'm not doing anything exciting. I'm just sitting here eating a ham sandwich. That's exciting for God. He's zealous. He's on fire for you. And it never, 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 ever, 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 ever stops. He's crazy on fire for you. Let me share this as well. Thank you. Exodus chapter 34, verse 14. You must not worship no other God. For the Lord, whose very name is Jealous, is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. Have you ever seen a guy and a girl dating and you either have said or you want to say to the girl, That guy is a bum. Kick him to the curb. He's not worth your time, girlfriend. Get rid of him. He doesn't treat you right. He doesn't call you. And then inevitably, you always meet that one girl who's like, but I love him. (laughs) And you go, leave that bum alone. But I love him. I can't. I can't. He's a jerk. I know. I know. But he's. I love him. I love him. Love is not enough. Get him out. But I can't. Isn't, aren't those frustrating conversations to be in? 
bum. You can tell I'm Italian. He's a bum. Get him out of here. But I can't. Do you know that when angels look at how God looks at you, when they watch God look at you, the Bible says that they're confused on why God is so consumed with you. You got to remember, since the moment those angels were created, they have been looking at God and some of them are in his presence. And the minute they've been created, they've been looking at God going, Holy! Holy! You're holy! You are so holy! You are, let me put it in our vernacular, you're beautiful! You are so beautiful! You're so amazing! You're so incredible! You're so amazing! You're so incredible! And then they look at him, look at us, and they're like, why? Why? And not only does, when he looks at you, the Bible says that he's jealous. We know how jealous people are, right? He, he is jealous. Who are you talking to? What are you saying? Do you like them more than you like me? You haven't called me all day. You haven't talked to me all day. Do you not like me anymore? We know how jealous people are, right? The Bible says that he's jealous. Uh, hello? Hey. Hi. Do you love me? Will you say it? Just tell me you love me. I love you. Do you love me? I love you. Love you too. He's jealous. He is. Are you thinking about me? Do you like him more than you like me? Do you like her more than you like me? Do you like it more than you like me? Do you want to give that more time than you want to give me? He's a jealous God. He's jealous. He's following you around. He's walking with you. He's staring at you. He's on fire for you. And he's jealous for you. You are the cat's meow. (laughs) Write this verse down as well. Jeremiah 31 verse 3. The Lord appeared to him from far away, said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. I've loved you forever. I've always loved you. Jeremiah 33, verse 3, call to me, I will answer you. I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Watch this. Do you, have you ever told a friend of yours? No, you can't tell anyone what I'm about to say. Have you ever said that? Do not tell anyone what I'm about to say. You only have that kind of introduction and share secrets with two or three people that you trust the most. And Jesus is saying, that is the relationship that I want with you. I want to tell you secrets. Can somebody just give the Lord a round of applause for that? I'll tell you secrets. Let me say this. Not being zealous for God 
cannot be an option. All right. I'm just going to tell you. I'm about to shift gears. Okay, I'm about to shift gears. I'm about to go Pentecostal on you. I'm just telling you. So if you were raised Catholic, seatbelt. All right, this, this is a very important point to me. This whole point is my lifeblood. And so I'm going to give it my best. By the time I finish this point, well, hopefully I won't. But I sweated this jacket right off in the first service. So I'm just taking it off now. You can not not be jealous and passionate for God. That is not an option. Do you hear me? You cannot be somewhere in between on fire for God and completely cold and ignoring him. You cannot be somewhere in between. You can't. Let me just say, Some of you, this is your last service here. (laughs) Because the Bible says in 1 Timothy that in the last days, many will go around and find teachers that will tell them what they want to hear. In other words, what does this preacher say? I don't like that. What does this, I don't like that either. And what did, oh yeah, that feels much better. We're going to say right here. This, if that's you. It was so nice having you this morning. Uh, We've got a book that we want to give you to all of our guests. We're we're not going to see each other. This is is the deal breaker point. This is it. This is it. This is where we push all the chips in. Are you ready? Some of you are like, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if I'm ready or not. Here we go. Revelations chapter 3, verse 15. We're going to read the verses that other people skip. Here we go. I know the things you do for me. This is God speaking. This is not like Abraham. Abraham is the real deal, but this is God. I know the things you do for me. That you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But... Since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. I wish this water, this is God talking. Now, if you think this is baloney and you want to risk it, that's on you. I wish you were cold. Something about. I, ice cold tea, ice water. Oh. Mm. Or hot cup of coffee, hot water, hot tea. You ever had lukewarm coffee with the white circle in the middle? That's your cream from two hours ago. I wish you were either cold. Or I wish you were hot. Because when I drink that, and I do this respectfully, 
He likened us to water. Look, either ignore me or be on fire for me. But if you're going to be a cool cat, I can live without you. I can live without you. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Let me, this is, this is the point. Look, I, I preached my first state youth convention, the state of Illinois when I was 19. And the guy who ran the convention, his name was Ron Heitman. He was six, five, he was a big old guy. And I'm just this skinny little kid. And he grabs me, pulls me real close. And he goes, all right, son, when you get up there, I want you to preach like it's your last sermon. I'm thinking, my goodness, I got up there and just let it go. I'm gonna preach like it's my last sermon, okay? This is my last one. This is it. This is my last one. You can't be cold. Your passion level for God can't be beep, 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 beep. It can't. It, it, you can't. You can't be lukewarm. Beep, beep. Beep, beep. Beep, beep. I'm going to tell you something. Churches today aren't like churches that they used to be. I was raised in the church, I know. It, in, it, I'm only, I'm not, I don't even have gray in my hair. And I'm about to sound like I do. I don't have gray in my hair because I don't grow hair anymore. But let me just say, in the old days, big churches were 250 people. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Big churches. We have 250 kids in our church. We're just a community church. We're not a mega church. We have 250 kids. Churches nowadays are gigantic. It's easier to join a church today because preachers around the globe, and I'm guilty, and Lord, I want you to forgive me. We preach these messages that are not in the Bible. They sound like they're in the Bible, but they're not. They sound like it. Let me illustrate. Become a Christian. Come to church. Give Jesus your life. He'll make you the head and not the tail. He'll make you above and not beneath. You'll be the lender and not the borrower. Come on, join the family. Come on. And so beautiful people come in the church and they go, that's a no brainer. I came here because I'm in a bad situation right now and I need my life improved. Oh yeah, we're going to go there today. We're going to go ahead. I'm going to take this ball and roll it right down to your house. I'm going to roll it right to your front door. Just ready? Lord, I'm, I got a problem. I got a problem. I'm, I'm coming here. I need you to improve my life. Let me tell you something. The Bible says make many supplications. In other words, he wants you to do that. But watch. This is so important. 
I give my son a bed in nice clothes and I take pride in giving him nice clothes. I want him to have the nicest clothes I can afford. Are you listening? This is so important. I want him to have the nicest bed and the nicest home. I take pride. I go, that's my boy. But if he ever, 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 ever starts developing this attitude, That he's in this relationship so I can buy him a new pair of Jordans. We're going to have some problems, Willis. If I get the idea that he's going to come strutting into my house. You know how they do, right? You want to look at him and say, pull up your pants, right? See now, see now, this is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. You know, this is what I'm talking about. I don't get no respect around here. I've been asking for things. You don't hear me. This is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. Yeah, what are you talking about? You keep saying, or what is this what I'm talking about? I don't even, you're not even saying. You just keep saying, this is what I'm talking about. You're not even talking about anything. This, this, this is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. See, I, I, want, I want some respect. I want some respect. Up in this mouth. I want some. I'll give some up in this mouth. I can't hold up. Just sit right there. Just let me warm this foot up right here. I'll give you some. I'll give you, sir. I'll give you right what you want. <laughs> you know that, you know that lady. I'm all over the place now. You know that lady that, who's that, that lady that drives around. She helps parents that have kids that are misbehaving. What's that? Super nanny. Yeah. Yeah. Super nanny will never come to my house. Never, never, never. She doesn't need to come to my house. She had a beep, 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 beep. Because if my son says, shut up. <laughs> I got shut up. I got, I got your shut up right here. I'm going to write shut up on the bottom of my foot right here. <laughs> And I'm a, I'll give you some shut up. Yeah, I got, I got your shut up right here. I will throw you through a plate glass window. You have to call the cops just to go. You remember those old phones? You, you better have them on speed dial because that ticket is nine, one, one. That's going to be too long. You're going to be dead by that. Beep, beep, beep. Beep. That's, you better have them speed dial. Tell me to shut up. I got your shut up. I got I got your shut up right here. Now, what am I talking about? Charles, what am I talking about? Somebody help me. What am I talking about? What? Lukewarm. Thank God. (laughs) Let Let me just be transparent with you. The reason why I got silly there is because I know that when you punch somebody in the nose, you need to give them a hug and lighten up the moment for a second. But I'm not going to cheapen the moment. I'm, I'm not going to make you think by being funny that that scripture has a loophole in it. It does not have a loophole. You can't not be on fire for God. You can't. Now you say, Frankie, are you on fire all the time? No. 
And this is the verse that you got to write down, Psalms 51.10. You say, dear God, create in me a pure heart and a steadfast spirit. Cause something to come alive in me. I want to love you more. I want to crave you more. I need to be passionate for you. The way my heart is right now, it's not beating with passion and it scares me. It scares me, God. Let me just tell you, you can't, it's not an option. You say, well, there's the grace of God. Clearly, Frankie, you haven't been watching the new guy on TV. The grace message is out. Hello. Let me tell you what grace is. Grace is not what you may think it is. Grace does not mean that you have this pass, this, uh, this pass where, where you can just kind of do whatever you want and go crazy. Hey, honey, why don't you come on over? What's your name? Yeah, just lay right here. Let's just jump in my bed real quick. And, and, and Grace. That's not what that means. That's not what that means. I can be cold. I can be chill. I, you know, I don't have to be, you know, in hot pursuit for God. I mean, I can just kind of be like Bo Jackson, chill. No, Grace, No. No, 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 that is not what grace means. This is what grace means. When you're over here and you're cold, you're not passionate for God, but you wish you were. I need your help. I got some grace for you. He takes his grace and gives you, this is so important, gives you the ability to do what you cannot do on your own. And now you can worship and you can pray and you're addicted to God and you just I don't get you know, Isaiah and Jessica I don't know the song I don't need to know the song just give me some background music so I can worship God how does a person go from alright let's go to church to I'm passionate for God how does that happen grace He gives you the ability to do what you can't do. It's kind of like, I wish I could dunk a basketball from the free throw line, but I can't jump. And so God gives me grace. I'm going to give you the ability to do what you can't do on your own. (laughs) Boom. Who's your daddy now? You with me? He gives you that ability. But listen to me, it's not an option. God's saying, just be hot and pursue me. Or just be cold and ignore me. Be one or the other. Have you ever wanted to look at somebody? Look, either you're my friend or you're not my friend, but stop faking me out. Sometimes you're loyal. Sometimes you talk about me. Which one are you? In high school, we used to call those people two-faced. Oh, yes. 
come right to you. Thank you, all three of you. (laughs) Drifting zeal. That's what happened to Peter. He just started drifting. Number four, awakened zeal. He's messing around. He's on fire in the garden. He gets around the wrong crowd. Oh my goodness. When he's with the right crowd in Gethsemane, he's worshiping God. When he's with the wrong crowd in the courtyard, all of a sudden the zeal is completely gone. You can't spend, listen, you can't spend more time in the courtyard than you do in Gethsemane. And and here's the reality. Some of you where you work is the courtyard. Not all of you, but some of you. I talked to a guy at the men's fraternity. The men's fraternity is the real deal. And, and it's this Saturday at 8 a.m. right here if you want to come. But the, the last Saturday at the men's fraternity, I had a guy tell me, he goes, man, I go to work and this guy pulls up pornography. He calls me, hey, man, come look at this. What in the world is that? So that's the courtyard. That's the wrong people. You get around the wrong people. Some of you, it's not pornography, but it's something completely different. Hey, you got to make a living. You got to get a paycheck, right? You got to go get it. You, you're, you're, in the, you're in the courtyard for 40 hours a week. You better come here on Sunday and get in the, in the Gethsemane a little bit. Let's encourage you. We'll get some people around you. Wednesdays at 7, we'll get around you. We'll lift you up. But, but then I'll, now watch what happens here. All of a sudden, he, he realizes my zeal went from real high to real low. I've checked it. And he, he's, he becomes broken. And that's that this awakened zeal. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 5, it says this. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Peter... His zeal. He just just fell asleep. And then the roaster crowed. And he woke up. And he had a broken heart. The alarm woke him up. I don't have a rooster here this morning. I I don't have a rooster. but, But I am. Wake up. Wake up. I know, I'm not trying to minimize it. I know one of my favorite things about being a pastor is I know Matthew, Mark 4, there's cares of the world. And when you come in here, the cares are so big that I love to inject you with hope regarding those cares. But those cares can't cause your passion for him to decrease, this is for somebody in this room, because the cares of the world are so heavy on you that now the zeal for God has gone down because all of yourself is focused on the care. The Bible says that he stands at the door and knocks. Let me in, let me in, let me in. This is my last sermon to preach. 
I want to sound the alarm. I want to sound the alarm. Uh, Being cold in in the church world today, it seems like we either got cool Christians, you know, the cool ones. We got cold Christians. You know, I'd much rather preach to a room full of people that are not Christians and this is their first time here than somebody that's been in the church for 50 years. You know why? Because they know my sermon better than I know my sermon. And a lot of times it's like, dude, I know you're going with this. I know you're going with this. I know. Okay. You're smarter than me. That's fantastic. Let's all stand to our feet for me, please.